Thanks for listening to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Before we start, if you enjoy listening every week and engaging the questions swirling around our culture and our churches, then we invite you to also visit qideas.org. Asking questions is actually the whole mode of operation here. It's how we think that we as leaders can actually engage better as we enter into a cultural landscape that's changing quite a bit. Each week, Gabe and his team look at one of those important questions, then try to respond to them with the help of thought leaders who have spoken at Q conferences. Watch selected videos and read thought-provoking articles around the topics as you seek to find answers to these important questions. You can also sign up and get these weekly questions sent right to your email inbox. That way, you won't miss a question. It's another way Q wants to help you stay curious, think well, and advance good. Now, here's this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. When you are called to do something that has never been done before, you will never discover that looking at what everybody else has done. You do not discover who you are in the presence of people. You discover who you are in the presence of God. This is Gabe Lyons, and welcome to the Q Podcast. I am excited to talk to you today because we're coming off our team, me, Rebecca, we're coming off kind of the week of our life where Q takes place. We have almost 2,000 leaders descend on Nashville and come into a space to have conversation, learning. It's just so awesome. I mean, we love it. And today you're going to get to hear one of the talks. So you're going to hear one of the top 10 talks that took place at Q as rated by our attendees. Uh, but before we go there, I just want to say, if you missed Q this year, don't miss it next year. I mean, you would expect me to say that, but I can just promise you the people that we talk to that come to Q, so many that come as their first time experiencing Q because somebody invited them to come and they walk away going, my friend could have never described this to me well enough. Like I didn't quite understand all of the elements of it because it's not only the talks. I mean, it was over 40 presentations taking place, nine minutes long. 75% of these talks this year were nine minutes and then 25% were 18 minutes. But it's the combination of sitting at tables, having conversation with peers, friends that you came with, maybe people that you work with, um, but then going out in the evenings and just experiencing Nashville. I mean, it was so much fun. We had Tony Hale here in a comedy club, who's an actor on Arrested Development, also on Veep, just talking about the culture of Hollywood, television, comedy, his faith. All the way to like Amina Brown, who came in from Atlanta and hosted this great evening with her husband on the turntable as a DJ and having conversations about real things, about life, talking about race, talking about the issues in our culture that must be dealt with. We hosted the first screening of Mr. Rogers, the, the new documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And people were in tears listening to that. So, so these kinds of things are happening all over the place. There's probably about 25 different unique experiences that happen during these three days at Q. And so when you get done with it, you're a little tired mentally, but you also come out of it 
pretty excited and encouraged to see that the body of Christ has so many dynamic leaders in it. People who are working in every type of area of culture, people who are building uh, like our friend Brett is building uh, 3D homes with concrete machines that they've built this 3D home printer with a Vulcan printing and allowed people an opportunity to have a home for such a cheap price. And so they're in development with that, with their charity called New Story. I mean, you go from that to what we're going to hear today, which was the closing talk of our first day at Q. It was by Lisa Bevere. It was called The Courage to Lead. Now, Lisa, many of you have heard of her. She's a New York Times best-selling author, her husband, John Bevere. They've both just been great influences in the church for so many years, but they really go around the world encouraging believers. And we thought, let's finish our first day at Q. We've heard a lot of talks this day. We've talked about reparations. We, we actually talked about the Me Too movement. We were talking about the Church Too movement. There's lots of things happening, and we just needed to end the day talking about what is our opportunity now? As we leave out from here today, how can we be encouraged? How can we recognize what uniquely the church brings to the moment. And so Lisa, as she does, so passionately engaged our audience at Q this year and had people standing at different times, cheering, clapping, and and really recognizing who we are as the church and how we're best when we work together. And so I want you to listen in now to her talk at Q 2018. I am the mother of four boys and the grandmother of for as well. And so I want you to know that this is the privilege that I get to speak to you from, but I'm not just any grandmother. I am a Sicilian grandmother, which is a little bit different than an Italian grandmother. An Italian grandmother will feed you. A Sicilian grandmother might kill you. And so that's kind of the difference that I speak from. I'll either feed you or I kill you. So that's kind of the attention. I don't know, just for, just for information, do you guys know what the difference is between Sicilians and Italians? Okay, you're not going to answer me. Okay, I'll just tell you. Sicilians are Greeks, Arabs, and Italians mixed. And that is why we gave the world the mafia. So you are welcome. I am excited about speaking about the courage of leading together. I have been married for 36 years. And my husband and I decided that we wanted to do life well together. It would have been easier if we had decided to do it separately. But it's harder, but it's better to do it together. And I believe that God wants to do something in and of the church where the men and women are doing it together. Can I do something? I'm usually in front of more women than men, but can I get all the women to stand up for just one moment? Come on, just stand up. Just stand up. Awesome. That's great. Okay. I want you to look at me. Do you know that God created woman as the answer to the very first problem? And that was, no, seriously. And that was, it's not good for man to be alone. So you would not be more powerful or more valuable if you were a man. God decided to weave you in this moment to be a woman, to be a heaven-breathed answer. And this world will want to undermine your gender. But I'm going to tell you something. You need to lean into your gender because there's beauty and there's strength and there's wisdom and there's nurture in a woman's heart. So thank you for being God's answer. All right. Now, I'm a mother of boys, so I want all the men to stand up right now. Because I kind of feel like they've been down on the men. Everybody's mad at the men right now. Everybody's like, the men. Okay, listen, I love men. I think men are amazing. And you were created to really to carry the glory of God in strength. 
And we celebrate you. You are godly men. You are here because you want to be answers. You want to bring leadership that is going to cause the people under your care to flourish. And I want to thank you for being godly, brave, strong men. So now you can go ahead and sit down. I have had the privilege of writing a number of books. I wrote a book about a decade ago called Lioness Arising. And it was actually uh, about this dream I had of a lioness. And it was uh, kind of random because I am kind of random that after my book was already out, I prayed and I said, God, now I, I wrote a book called Lioness Arising and I, I, I probably should have asked you, my life has been really busy right now. So could you just confirm that that was okay that I wrote a book? It's in five languages. So that would really be helpful. And I was just driving my car, never expected to tell an embarrassing story about myself in front of a lot of people. And that night I was home with my boys in the throes of a school project. Now I live in Colorado and we had a blizzard that night and at eight o'clock my son had said, I just remember I have a school project due tomorrow. And what did I do? I went into the basement and I tore apart all my other children's school projects and I brought it to my youngest son. And he said, no, this isn't the right poster board. So I paid the other three sons money. And I said, okay, one of you, you're going to type out what he dictates. The other one of you, you're going to cut out magazine pictures. I braved the blizzard, went and bought the poster board, had it all laid out on the table when my husband did something that I used to call annoying that I now call cute because I'm just going to tell you if it's been 10 years and they haven't stopped, they're not going to stop. You just need to embrace it and call it cute. So he has a, what I used to call annoying, but I now call cute habit of calling me and putting me on the phone with complete strangers. I don't know if it was an exit strategy in a conversation. He was like, just talk to my wife, but he called me in the middle of the school project. And I was like, John, your son, did not get his school project done. I do not have time to talk to your random stranger right now. So you're not going to, he said, oh, that's okay. I gave him your cell phone number. He's going to call you later. So when this guy called, I just tried to act like I was exhausted and weak. So I answered the phone. I was like, hello. He was like, is this Lisa Bevere? And I was like, yes. He said, well, your husband held up your book and said that lions are the best killers, but lionesses are the best hunters. And I'm like, of course he would say that. That's all he knows. He hasn't read the book. And he said, well, I'm calling you to tell you why your book is important. And I was like, okay. He said, do you know we are not winning the war in Afghanistan? I said, I actually, I actually, I actually did know that. He said, do you want to know why we're not winning the war? I said, yes. In the middle of my son's school project, I must know why the United States of America is not winning this war. He said, well, we're not winning the war because we can't speak to the Afghan women. And he said, if you can't speak to the women, you can't flip the culture. And if you can't flip the culture, you can't win a war. He said, let me tell you what I do here at Fort Bragg. He said, I am in charge of special operative teams. And I was like, okay. And he said, we are sending women in to speak to the Afghan women and tell them they have voice and value. Tell them why democracy will serve their sons and daughters well. Deliver their babies and take care of their minor medical needs. And I was like, okay. He said, do you want to know what the name of this group is? And I said, yes. He said, it's called Team Lioness. They're about ready to be deployed. May I have a copy of your book for all of them? So I got to outfit all of Team Lioness going out of Fort Bragg, then all of Team Lioness coming out of Camp Lejeune. Why am I telling you this? Because if the U.S. military understands that without the involvement of women, we will fight, but we will never win. 
then it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to have the women come alongside the men so that we no longer fight and we begin to win. Because from the very beginning of time, the enemy has been terrified that men and women will wake up and realize what we are. I'm going to put up a picture of two lions that are face to face. This is what he is afraid of. He does not want to see men being men and women being women. He wants the men to oppress the women and the women to manipulate the men. And everything in our culture right now is dividing something. Everything is dividing because houses that are divided are conquered. But we are not ignorant of his devices. And we are the enemy's nightmare. I believe that God is raising up a generation of women and men who will begin to actually understand that we were created to be intimate allies, never to be enemies. And we are better together than we are ever been apart. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not smart like everybody else. I don't have a PhD. I don't even know why they let me write books. But anyway, I am going to quote somebody else's book who does have a PhD. It's called Beyond Sex Roles. Before the fall, men and women related to each other as co-regents, both bearing the image of God and called to join together to, in caring for the world he had created. Both men and women are responsible to fulfill this ministry of service for God's glory in the manner God has gifted them, and to the degree to which they are apportioned faith. Tragically, in the fall, this cooperative relationship was deeply wounded. We believe God's gracious plan for redemption is that everything that was broken through sin, including the relationship between men and women, might be restored to the beauty that existed during the first days of creation. We are walking the earth in such an incredible time period. It is perilous and it is ripe with opportunity. You and I can be an example. I believe that the world is watching and waiting to see the Christians actually love one another. That we would actually not be a people who were known for what we were against, but known for what we are for. And Jesus was always known for what he was for. He was for men and he was for women. And he was for family and he was for freedom and he was for hope and he was for love. And I believe that the most powerful platform any of us will ever stand on is our life. How we choose to love people, how we choose to do marriage, how we choose to do family. Because at the end of the day, John and I can write all of the books that we ever wanted to write. And if we don't love one another well, everything that we have labored on is cut underneath and we don't want to be those people. I want the things that I have on my life to go on in legacy. I do have four sons and I, I, I'm not afraid of millennials. I love them because I birthed them. And uh, here's something that I love about being around millennials is they are the most intelligent, most well-connected people on the face of the earth, but they're also very confused about their purpose. And here's what I think. See, I think that I got to see something up close. I, I got to travel and, and speak to possibly over the course of two and a half years, 200,000 millennials face to face. I actually was part of a Bethel music tour. They put a grandmother on a bus with a bunch of musicians. I actually got to speak at the Opry here, but all these different things. And I speak at a university. I did some stuff with Jesus culture. I did some stuff with Hillsong. And this is what I find happens when I get to talk to millennials. They'll actually look at me and say, I know. That God has his hand on my life for something significant. But I have absolutely no idea 
what it is. And I will grab them back. And I will look at them. And I will say that is because you are called to do something that has never been done before. And when you are called to do something that has never been done before, you will never discover that looking at what everybody else has done. You do not discover who you are in the presence of people. You discover who you are in the presence of God. And so we need to push a generation into the presence of God. And here I am as an older woman, understanding that the millennials coming up, they're not my replacement. They're my reinforcement. They're the ones coming alongside me. They are the answers to my prayers. The things that I have declared over my children are the things that they're going to declare over their children. And we need to understand that in the last days, God begins to preempt something. Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you know that means that God's going to pour out his spirit on people you don't think he should pour it out on? Do you know that God is going to pour out his spirit on his sons and his daughters? And then he said, what we're going to do is we are going to prophesy. What does that even mean to prophesy? It means to stand on the face of the earth and release the dominion and the mandate of heaven. And I believe as men and women, there are things for the men to declare. And there are things for the women to declare. And there are wars for the men to fight. And there are wars for the women to fight. But we have to stop fighting one another because the fall is what originated the battle of the sexes and we need to look at each other and we need to say i need what is on your life i respect what is on your life i honor what is on your life i need your voice in my life so that we can do this together you know marriage is under attack millennials are under attack and i have a little bit of a sicilian attitude about when i go through an attack i begin to think What is it about me that is so terrifying to the enemy that he has launched a full-scale onslaught against me? I think attacks are actually an affirmation that I'm usually doing the right thing. I love what we just heard. Struggle is actually strengthening. Wendell Phillips said that Christianity is a battle, not a dream. And if we are going to be brave enough to dream, then we have to be brave enough to fight. I'm going to close with this. I had traveled home from London on my 50th birthday, exhausted and pretty much just brain dead. And I found out that I was home alone with my youngest son. And this made me so excited because my youngest son used to cuddle me every single morning. Excuse me. He would sit on my lap and say, good morning, mom. It's time for morning love. My youngest son would sit and cuddle with me during movies. But the three older boys would always be like, don't do that. Don't cuddle mom. My youngest son had repeatedly asked me to marry him. And now I'm home alone with the youngest son. And there's no three older brothers to shame him. And so he patted the sofa. I came running over, put my arms around him, turned around, looked at the television. I said, Arden, what are we watching? He said, we are watching Terminator. Now, I don't know if you've seen Terminator 1. They just keep remaking the movie over and over again. But basically, it is a story of Sarah Connor. And she is a moped-riding waitress. And every single day, she goes to a restaurant to work. And every single night, she hopes that some blind date is going to work out for her. That is until Arnold Schwarzenegger, the former governor of California, comes back from the future. And he has one goal in mind. And that is to assassinate everyone with the name Sarah Connor. And it does not look like he will fail because he has in his possession the height of 80s data 
which is a page torn out of the yellow book. And he is crossing them off one by one. When Sarah finds out she might be at a risk, she did what a lot of us did in the 80s. She goes out to the bar to get lost in a crowd. But Arnold is relentless and he finds her there. He's shooting and everything is mayhem. But at the same time, as her assassin from the future shows up, her protector from the future shows up. And he grabs a hold of Sarah and he says, if you want to live, come with me. Sarah sees the dead bodies and she's like, I want to live. So she leaves with this stranger. And this stranger is trying to tell her who she is. And she begins to argue with him. But I haven't done anything. And that's when he looks at her and says, no, but you will. I'm going to tell you something. I believe I'm speaking to a generation and a gathering of heroes unaware. I don't care whether you have done something yet or not. The attacks on your life have nothing to do with your history and everything to do with your destiny. I believe that the enemy has targeted the millennials and the older people because he does not want us to connect. He does not want the wisdom and the strength of the older people. He wants the young people to be disassociated from it. And we are going to have to intentionally go after these relationships. I believe that you're a hero. I believe that there's something on your life. So I'm going to ask you, what is the area? Where you have been feeling an onslaught. What is the area where you have been feeling attacked? What is the area where you have felt undermined? See, I believe that women have been attacked in so many levels. Because the enemy doesn't want us to wake up and remember that we actually are answers. And that the men are not our problem. And that God is our answer. And he doesn't want the men to remember God is the one who gave Eve a voice because he said it's not good for you to be alone. He does not want the voices of the two genders to make a symphony because he understands that if we are back united again, then the enemy is going to have a nightmare. So I don't know what it is on your life, but I'd love to pray for you. A Sicilian grandmother prayer. When my boys were little, I lined them up every single night. I'm a first generation Christian. And when I found out I could pray the word of God over my family, it got me so excited. I wanted a legacy. I wanted something completely different than I had inherited. So I would line them up and I would say, you are for signs and wonders and miracles. You are disciples taught of the Lord and great is your peace and undisturbed composure. And they were like, what's composure? I said, it doesn't matter. When you need it, you will have it there for you. I'm going to tell you something. Kids inherit either God's promises or our fears. And so we have to declare the promises of God over another generation. Father, I thank you that we will be those that will see up close what other generations only saw in the distance. Father, I thank you that we will speak out loud what other generations only dared to whisper. Father, I thank you that we will lay hold of with our hands what other generations handled in prayer father we are believing for signs and wonders and miracles and god we are all in for whatever you would want to do in and through us in jesus name amen and amen god bless you What a great talk. It was a great way to end Q on our first day 
But I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you started to appreciate some of the wisdom coming from Lisa. Her and John, again, have been in ministry for so many years, and you can kind of hear it. There's a confidence. There's a boldness. There's a call to us as the church to be who we were meant to be. Her new book just came out this last week, and she talks about some of these ideas, but goes way more in depth. It's called Adamant, Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions. And isn't that such a great descriptive word for our world today, a universe of opinions? Everyone's got one. How do we know what's true? I was just listening uh, to a friend yesterday tell me how confused they are right now in the church. They're just confused. They're listening to different podcasts. They've heard a few different people make some comments on social media they're starting to question literally some of the most basic orthodox ideas of the Christian faith. And it was feeling really normal to them. And they reached out and just said, hey, what can I read? Where can I look? What can I do to better understand what Christians believe in the midst of some of these questions? And I wrote back and I told that person a couple of books. I referred them to a few people to read. But I also said to them, look, just recognize the chaos we're in right now. You're hearing so many different viewpoints. Everyone thinks they're right. A lot of this is sort of classic liberalism that just questions everything. It's part of the postmodern culture that we're in. It's, it's meant to break down things. It's meant to tear apart all of the assumptions. The problem is when it tears them down, it doesn't often know how to rebuild them. It wasn't meant to build anything. It was only meant to tear down. And so books like this, Adamant, Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions by Lisa, are the kind of books that actually help build your faith, help remind you of what Christians have always believed. My encouragement to this friend wasn't just to read books. I, I said, go back into scripture, go back into Romans, go read Romans one through eight. Let the spirit of God speak to you. You'll see that we're in a moment culturally where, where the scriptures tells us there's going to be those who want to just listen to teaching that tickles their ears, you know, that tells them what they want to hear. Like this is to be expected, but we have to understand that the truth is something that outlasts all of this. And a decade from now or two decades from now, we'll look back and we'll see these moments for what they've been, but we'll understand that the truth of God's word lasts forever. So I'm appreciative to people like Lisa and John and people who've just given their life, dedicated their lives to helping equip the church. I think we need that more than ever. I hope this has been one of those moments for you. Share it with some of your friends and, and share our podcast. Get others to jump into this as, a, as we try to have weekly conversations and learning around what we believe are some of the most important ideas we should be talking about as Christians who really care about faithfully engaging our culture. So until next time, I hope you have a great week. I hope you'll share this with friends and we'll look forward to more learning and more conversation together in the week ahead. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.